Welcome to LilyPod episode 11, our FCBO model. Jeff and Kathy Teichert here with LilyPod, which is a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed towards mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome any who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. Welcome, Kathy. For three years, I was tortured with a terrible stomach condition that blew up my belly like a balloon. Sometimes we even called it my party trick because I could go from flat to full nine-month pregnant look in about, what, five seconds, Jeff? Yeah, it was hard to watch. Yeah, and it never happened before, and I was stunned for a very and very confused for a long time, and it took a while just to get a diagnosis, let alone know how to treat this thing that was happening. Thankfully, I have finally kicked it out of my body and hopefully for good this time. What I ended up getting diagnosed with is called SIBO. S-I-B-O stands for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. There are some parallels between the physical symptoms of SIBO and the emotional symptoms of getting stuck in what we call our stories. Not being able to digest life causes low energy vibration and it keeps us stuck in stinking thinking. Emotional constipation, emotions and traumas can get stuck in our bodies if we don't process them and let them go. There's a vicious cycle between stress and dysfunction. It requires intentional action to change the cycle to optimal function and calming peace. Kathy, I don't know anybody who's been through a divorce that doesn't have some trauma or stinking thinking or bitterness at some point. Or emotional constipation. Sure. At some point in the process, uh, and I'm not saying that to shame anyone. I I certainly went through these things and and I know you did. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you're in that boat uh, listening, I I don't blame you for being there. Yeah. And the stress and dysfunction that came with my illness can come from just being so completely overwhelmed by a situation such as divorce or a really hard breakup. And, you know, as we've learned, as Jeff and I have learned about thought work in our efforts to do our own personal work and life coach training to help others as well, we came up with our own Lily model and the words that we felt were most helpful in describing this process. And these are the words we came up with, our facts, So the facts of a situation, our stories, our emotions and our energy that that stem from those stories that we tell about the facts, and then ultimately the behaviors that naturally flow from the energy and emotions and stories that we create, and that then gives us our outcomes. So facts, stories, emotions, energy, behaviors, outcomes, and the acronym happens to be F, SIBO. Forget SIBO. Forget the stories that don't serve you. Forget the emotion and the energy that does not elevate you. And 
forget each behavior and outcome that doesn't really benefit you. Doing this thought work with intention will lead you to a more purposeful creation of your life and greater joy in your journey. And so to, to reiterate, Kathy, uh, facts are, are verifiable things like we know that it's 71 degrees outside. Uh, we know that James just walked into the room. Now, James walked into the room with a menacing look on his face. The menacing look is an interpretation. That's not a fact. James came in looking at the floor is a fact. What that means is under the S category, meaning stories, our own perceptions, interpretations, and adaptations of the facts, the thoughts we choose to subscribe to and focus on. And just, just to, uh, to add in that everything beyond the facts is optional. So we think our thoughts about the facts and all of them are choice. Now, that doesn't mean that every thought that comes into our mind is of our choosing, but what we choose to focus on, what we choose to attach to, those are choices. And we can change them. We have options. Right. So we've got facts, stories, and then third is an E word, emotions. Emotions arise from our stories, from, from our interpretations. The result of our stories are greatly influenced by our thoughts in the moment and as they accumulate. And I want to illustrate this in, a, in an example that's very familiar to many of us in this audience. Uh, divorce. My former wife may have chosen to leave the church. She may have chosen to be with another man. That There are any number of things, you know, someone may, may think about their divorce and describe them in terms of he or she broke their covenants. And at the end of the day, when we're interpreting it, we're, we're not only saying my husband or wife left the church, we're really telling ourselves and other people, my husband or wife left the church and she shouldn't have, or my husband or wife broke their covenants and he or she shouldn't have. And that judgment we put on the facts, that story will lead to all kinds of painful emotions that wouldn't have uh, arisen if the thoughts had been different, like my husband or wife chose to leave the church and maybe this is part of his or her journey in this life. That softens it. That softens it. it. We may still feel pain uh, over the loss, but at least then it's authentic pain. It's not pain that's laden with all kinds of judgments. Well, and something I want to bring up too is that the stories separating out our stories from our facts isn't always clear cut. For instance, you said, my former spouse left the church. What does left the church mean? And how do we know that that's exactly what happened? We, right. you know, it really is actually still more of our story and our interpretation than necessarily a fact. The fact could be they looked, they took their names off the records of the church. That could be a fact. 
If we right. know it, for sure. The fact could be that they simply stopped attending, but do they still believe? Well, anything we would say about what somebody else believes would be purely interpretation. Right. So just keep in mind with this thought work that most of the things that we think are fact are stories. Most of it. Right. So, so stories, the interpretations and judgments we make about the facts give rise to emotions that are either more positive or more negative in terms of how they affect our mood. Well, and you mentioned judgments we can place in our stories, like what we think should or shouldn't have happened. If we can even start with removing some of the judgments and maybe be willing to see some of our stories as something else, it could lead at least into a direction that might be more serving. I think to share something really personal on what Kathy just said, uh, some of you may know that Kathy and I each lost a sibling. I lost my youngest brother to cancer and she lost her, her uh, youngest sister. And we have experienced emotional pain because of that. But was it really because of that? Um, you know, I, I know in my case, and I, I think Kathy has said something similar, I didn't want to feel happy at my little brother's funeral. I didn't want to feel joy. I did want to feel peace. Uh, and I think the thoughts that I that I chose were, you know, there was probably a little bit of that in there about he was really too young to die. He was only 17. And, you know, I, I probably did make some judgments like that. But mostly it was just that he had been such a big part of my life and there was so much love there. And that is authentic pain. Genuine and, sadness. And it is pain that I chose to experience because grieving, I think, is good for us in, in circumstances like that. It helps to give meaning to the fact that that person is, has died. It, it mattered that they were here. Right. And something that helped me with my sister's passing is getting the revelation that it was her time. And getting that relatively early really helps me to be more accepting of the situation. And I think it helped me heal faster. Right. We're not suggesting by any means that the fact that we choose our thoughts uh, or choose which of our thoughts to dwell on and to keep uh, means that we shouldn't ever feel sad. Sometimes in life, we're going to want to feel sad when a, a loved one passes or something like that. That's, that's not wrong. That's not bad. The, the difficulty is when we get stuck in painful emotions because we have made judgments about uh, what happened. My brother died of cancer and he shouldn't have. My brother died of cancer and why wasn't it me? Or, you know, any I got divorced of, and we shouldn't have. Right. I got divorced and now my eternal family is blown to bits. Or one that I discussed in a coaching session recently with 
uh, a newly divorced person. Um, the, you know, I, I never wanted my life to turn out like this. Well, what do you mean? How has it turned out? You're not dead yet. Your life is still turning out. And so it's an interpretation to say my life has turned out this way. As if and everything a, in life has already happened. Right. And it's a wreck and nothing can be done. And of course, if you think that way, you're going to feel bitter and depressed and unhappy. And that comes not from the experience you went through, but by the judgments that you are putting upon it, which are the stories. Right. Then, you know, the next uh, piece of the puzzle in this FCBO model is energy. And it's, it's one of my favorite topics. And it's the vibration that we approach our day with. It's, it's also the vibration with which we approach the world around us. And these are all influenced by our thoughts, but our energy also influences our stories and our emotions. So energy can kind of move, I think, in this model, because I know some energy techniques, for instance, that can really elevate my vibration to a higher level of being. And then it's easier for me to work on my stories. It's easier for me to work on a, a higher emotional level. I think if you're thinking about energy too, you can think about it in the conventional understanding of that term as well. Uh, do I have a lot of energy today or is my energy very heavy? And I know at times when I was going through a divorce and my stories were running me, uh, you know, I had, I felt empty and in pain and heavy and depleted. And I think why, well, that came from the stories that, that my mind was giving me. And if you are hearing this and you can keep this in mind, you can use your level of energy, whether it's light or whether it's heavy, to determine whether the stories you're, you're thinking and you're telling other people and telling yourself and the emotions that, are, that, come, that follow very closely, whether they're serving you. If they're not serving you, then you know, if your energy is heavy, you know to look at those stories and emotions and see what you can shift. Right. The, the, the one after energy is behaviors. And I want to talk about the two together just briefly. Behaviors are things that generally follow emotions or energy and energies, that, uh, unless we use willpower to counteract it, which isn't sustainable. And um, often when we want to accomplish something, we focus on what we want to do about it. And that's the behavior. And we can force ourselves to do those things. But if we don't have an energy vibrating at a certain level or emotions and thoughts and stories that back up the behavior that we want, it's just not very sustainable. Silly example. Let's suppose I got up one morning and said, I'm going outside to sprint five miles. And I looked at the time I could run a hundred yard dash and multiplied it by the appropriate number to be five miles and said, that's how fast I'm going to run five miles. And I'm just going to will it. I'm going to use willpower. Well, how many sets of a hundred yard dash are you going to be able to sprint before you collapse with exhaustion and no longer have the energy 
to continue. And that's one reason why energy and behaviors are linked. Because if, I ha if I'm depleted emotionally and physically and feeling heavy, and I go sit down to my computer to, to start to work, chances are good I'm going to have a very difficult time focusing that if there's any high-level work I have to do, which is common for me, uh, it's going to be hard for me to clear the cobwebs enough to, to actually perform that work. Whereas if I have energy, then, you know, I can do it dynamically. I can crush it. And so, so the energy that comes from our emotions, which comes from our stories, will govern what, our be, what behaviors we'll be capable of. And then the next thing is also outcomes, which is what our life looks like more generally. Well, and our outcomes are a result of our behaviors, which are influenced by our emotions and our energy and ultimately from our stories. Um, the thoughts that we attach to about the facts of our life experience. And if we want something different than the outcomes we currently have in our lives, we could look at our behaviors, but we need to go back further and go to the stories first, separate them out from the facts and decide if those stories, first of all, if they're accurate and if they're serving us. And Kathy, I'd like to illustrate this a little bit for our audience. Um, and I'm going to give you an example from my life that isn't currently applicable, but I've felt this way before. And I'm going to let you coach me for a minute on it. Okay. So uh, I'm going to say this, although it's something I've only believed in the past. Oh, I'm so stressed out. My business is failing. How do you know your business is failing? I'm not getting any new clients. I didn't make very much money last month. And I don't see any way out of it. You know, that sounds challenging right now, but who's in charge of your business? Well, I mean, I guess ultimately I am, but I can't hold a gun to people's head and force them to hire me. I mean, they have to be willing to. Do you believe that you can get new clients? Well, I mean, I have before, but I. I don't always know when they're going to come in or how, or, you know, it doesn't seem like something I have a lot of control over. Well, so you have in the past, so you can in the future. So, but it feels random. Like I never know when it's coming. And Would you like it to be more consistent? Oh yeah. Give anything. Okay. Well, you seem like a smart person. I think you could uh, you could try something different than you've done before. What do you think you could try different? I don't know. I've racked my brains. I mean, I've thought about paying for advertising, but I, I'm always worried that I'm trusting the wrong person or, you know, I'm just going to pay a bunch of money and be in an even worse situation than I was because the advertising won't work. I mean... You know, I'm always stressing about that, so. You've mentioned stress a few times. Is there a word that might be more empowering? Than stress? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's worry and anxiety, and that's not empowering either. No. So what do you want to do about this anxiety? It seems to be getting in your way. Um, 
In the past, the biggest thing that's helped me with anxiety is exercise. Are you exercising? No. It helps with stress. It's true. Are you willing? Yeah, I should. I mean, I know I should. Okay, so that could be something we could try. What else helps with anxiety? Meditation. Are you good at meditating? Pretty good. Are you doing that? Not always. Once in a while. Maybe you could step that up a little bit. I mean, I have to kind of remind myself too. Mm -hmm. Okay, so meditation, exercise. What else could we do to help you feel less fearful? Well, I feel like if I had the money coming in, it would solve all the problems. Hmm. How would you feel if you had all that money coming in? Hmm. Safer, more secure. How would you feel about feeling safe and secure right now? And then let the money flow in from that feeling. Well, that would be great. Sometimes that happens. When we go forward to the emotion we want, we go back and get the results we want. So how am I supposed to feel that way now? Choose it. Say something affirming every day about already feeling that way until you believe it, until you feel it. In fact, what would you think instead of being stressed about your business, being excited about it? Well, that would be good. How should I shift that? Change your stories <laughs> that you're telling yourself. You, I'm assuming because you're telling me that you've probably told other people that you're stressed. Oh, yeah. That you're disappointed in your business. Yep. What do you think that does for the energy of your business? I don't know. It uh, Sometimes... Uh, it helps me feel understood, but... So you might get empathy, but yeah. how is it working for your business? Well, I mean, I still haven't seen uh, any predictable sort of change come about. Yet. Right. Always add yet. Okay. Yet is a good word to add to anything that you don't want to stay the same. Right. All right. Do you want to keep... Coaching or do, do you feel well, like we got to the root of? Yeah, I mean, I think our, our audience has got a general idea. We could go through a whole session talking about this and get deeper into it. And But but you can notice that where Kathy was going with this line of questioning is what thoughts are leading you to feeling uh, down, worried, and to lack confidence? And how could you get excited about it? you know, there might be ways to think, hey, this might be a great story if I take this business from a point where it's kind of in peril to, you know, growing and being healthy and, and you know, and, and I could feel a sense of accomplishment if I did that. So what are things I could change? What are things I could do? I can tell a difference, not only in your emotions and your energy, but your countenance. People mm -hmm. can't see that as we're on this podcast, but just the way you were talking, I mean, your head was held higher versus when you were talking about how stressed you were, your head was down and it felt heavy. Right. I mean, and, and this can be as different as using the word, I have a problem or I have a challenge. And a challenge is, you know, and you see 
coaches talk about this. When a new coach is hired to take over a program, when an old coach was fired and they say, I'm grateful for this challenge, you know, they're taking a team that was two and 11 last season and they're excited, they're fired up. Well, when we feel like we've failed, sometimes that saps our confidence, but we have to, to realize the game's not over until we say it is. Uh, and that includes your life, whether you're married, single, you know, in business for yourself or in a job or whatever your, your life situation is, uh, there are ways to look at it that uh, are more supportive of, mm-hmm. of high vibration energy, of positive emotions. Which are going to attract more clients or better dating partners into your life. And supply creativity for new ideas and, you know, ways of, and you can see kind of where Kathy was going with that with me. And I I realize this is just an example, but these are things we've experienced in real coaching sessions Mm -hmm. as well. And he put me on the spot, but that was kind of fun. (laughs) And we're going to help people, you know, with their, we're going to help you if you, if you come to us um, to see how your thoughts are serving you or not. And, uh, and we're not going to tell you, oh, that's not serving you. We're going to ask you, is that serving you? What kind of feelings go along with that? Thought? Right. And then you, you know? decide if it is or not. Right. And, and so that's a, a really exciting thing about this process that, that we've developed. It's not all original. We've taken ideas from various other coaches and people we know, but, uh, and our, our backgrounds in psychology, uh, you know, to, to come up with this, but we know it works and we know it's really exciting. It can be transformational. And we're working our own thought process, our own stories, and it's improving various aspects of our lives. Yeah. I mean, we had to work through these steps uh, or, or these, you know, our stories, our emotions. We had to work through all of that without the clarity that this model provides or the coaching right. we provide how much, gives. How much more headway would we have gotten if we'd known this stuff? Oh yeah. I mean, we really muddled through, didn't we? I mean, I was mired in my stories for several years and it wasn't until I realized that my stories were running me, uh, and keeping me, you know, broke, um, depressed and anxious for, for several years that I was able to even sort of start to make some headway in changing things. And, and you can do that faster with the right coaching and, uh, and the right clarity of ideas to, to help you along that path. And you need someone on the outside many times who, who isn't in the middle of your stories to kind of help you sort that through. Right. Uh, we can help with blind spots because we all have them where we might be really interested in creating new stories, but we just don't even know how to see it differently for you know, because we might just be really stuck in it. Um, but let's move on to how can you effectively apply the FCBO model in your life? Um, cause there's a lot of this work you can do on your own, uh, as far as you can go without a coach, um, separate out first, separate out the facts from the stories, start using words that differentiate reality from your own point of view. One thing I have a little bit of a pet peeve about is when I hear people say, their opinion as if it's a fact. And I think it it's an indication that a lot of us, after we've thought something for a long time, we start to think our thoughts are facts. And uh, we just, it's like, we can't even help it. And if we don't question it, it's just 
stays there. Well, here's here's a, an example. I am overweight. Well, overweight means I'm over the weight I should be. And so how am I overweight? I could say, you know, I weigh 217 pounds. That's a fact. I Whether that is too much or too little or just right is an opinion. And so uh, I might want to weigh less. I might make a goal to weigh less. But the fact is I weigh what I weigh. Well, and you brought up actually another point that I'd like to make is that I am statements are so, so powerful. Do you really want to attach I am to anything that you consider to be negative? Right. I mean, you can say I weigh 217 pounds or 201 pounds, whatever you weigh. And I would like to weigh, you know, 190 pounds or whatever you want to weigh. And the what you want to weigh that's your opinion too but but you can acknowledge it as that you can also say i am my ideal weight and even if you don't really believe you are yet you can start behaving in a way that puts you towards that right i've often told people that are trying to lose weight don't wait until you've lost the weight to go out and buy some clothes you feel good in go buy some now It'll be worth the extra if you lose the weight and you need smaller clothes later. Well, and this isn't really about weight loss. However, this can right. definitely apply to weight loss and many, many other things in our lives. Um, so first, separate out the facts from the stories. Start using words that differentiate reality from your point of view. Next, intentionally choose stories that align with reality. Can, can I first back up and say one more thing about that? Sure. As it pertains to mid-singles... Be very careful of stories like, I was married to a narcissist. My wife was crazy. All women want is money. All men want is someone sexy. Okay, go, go down the list of things that we accept often as truths. <laughs> but how good does it feel if you really want to meet a great woman and settle down and get married. If you're telling yourself all women want from me is money, they don't. Nobody really loves me. Is that is that really true? And is it helpful? Those are really stereotypical and generalized uh, right. statements that don't really account for individuality uh, or circumstances that are diverse in the world. I mean, I think Kathy wants more money. Who doesn't? But she loves me. I don't believe that if a billionaire that was more handsome than me knocked on our door tomorrow and asked her for her hand in marriage that she would not be loyal to me. I have no doubt she still would. And Jeff likes to talk. He has a lot of really awesome things to say. He's not a narcissist. He listens to me all the time. Right. So there are a lot of ways to think about the statements that we hear and make rather than just uncritically accepting everything that comes into our head as reflecting the truth. Right. So after we separate out facts from stories, we intentionally choose stories that align with reality and we consider what serves us and those around us. Um, so you want to consider what serves you, what serves your loved ones. Thought work 
using this FCMO model can help redirect your mind to more supportive ways of seeing things if you'll do the work. But just like any automatic thing in our life, our, we sometimes our thoughts, our stories, they, they kind of come back around and we have to keep telling the new story until it's, it is the story. Right. And, and if, if you backslide into an old story, an old story that was comfortable, but painful, uh, welcome to the human race. It happens sometimes to all of us. The important thing is to realize when it's happening, to, to feel it happening, to be able to see it. And when you can see it and have enough self-awareness to see it, then you can really start to shift. And, and you'll, you will become a person who, in the words of Father Lehi, can act rather than being acted upon by feelings, by emotions, by stories, by the adversary, you know, lots of, of uh, things to think about there. Don Miguel Ruiz is one of my favorite personal development authors. And he, uh, he wrote a book I'm going to refer to in a minute called The Voice of Knowledge. He's also the author of an international bestseller named um, The Four Agreements. But I think maybe Kathy wanted to finish up something on the just, applying the model. Right. So just real quick, the intentions that we set to transform our stories and, and our focus to shift our energy and our emotions, they're, they're all a bit interchangeable. One affects the other. And um, so we can set intentions to shift all of these things one at a time and, and just continue making that effort until everything kind of starts running in a better direction. Um, we can notice our behaviors and outcomes and, cha and change um, them naturally and effortlessly over time as we take our stories and our subsequent emotions and, and shift our energy. Um, this on-purpose process will empower you and elevate your life. Um, this can take a lifetime to master. It requires consistent effort, but it's well worth the investment. And you can do a lot of this on your own, as we've said, but our coaching program can help with blind spots because yeah, we all have them. Yeah, it can keep you honest too. You know, if, if you find yourself starting to indulge in self-deceit and rationalization, um, you know, having another person to call you on that a little bit gently and kindly is a good thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and Kathy and I even, you know, call each other on it sometimes. That's true. Um, I, I had mentioned Don Miguel Ruiz a minute ago, and you may recognize him as the best-selling author of The Four Agreements. He grew up in a small village in southern Mexico, and uh, as an adult, he became a surgeon, but he also became a Toltec shaman like his mother before him. And the Toltecs, of course, were ancient peoples in southern Mexico, uh, founded the greatest city, in my opinion, the greatest city of, of ancient uh, uh, Central America, which was Teotihuacan, the place where men become gods. So Don Miguel Ruiz wrote a book called The Voice of Knowledge. And this is essentially the ancient Toltec legend of the Garden of Eden. 
and it bears some striking similarities to the Jewish and Christian version. But the idea is that the fall initiate was initiated by, in their version, it's not a serpent, but a parasite, a parasite who that, that entered their body when they ate the fruit and got into their brains and started telling them lies. And the idea is that Satan has been telling lies to the human mind ever since, to each and every one of our, of our minds. And these lies could be like things like, uh, you are not important. You are not good enough. You are a loathsome person. I mean, you go down the list of things that we sometimes tell ourselves, you're a failure. You can't do anything right. You know, there's all kinds, but, but he says all of those come from the parasite who is the devil. And that if we're not intentionally working on our thoughts and exercising our agency to choose God's light and intelligence, Satan won't stop working on it uh, to drag us down in darkness and misery. Now, this account is perfectly in line with Latter-day Saint scripture. I will quote to you section 93 of the Doctrine and Covenants. Verse 23, ye were also in the beginning with the Father. And of course, the earth began in the, in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. You were also in the beginning with the Father, that which is spirit, even the spirit of truth. So when we were with God, we were spirit beings, and our spirit beings were spirits of truth. What is truth then? Verse 24, and truth is knowledge of things as they are, as they were, and as they are to come. So what is truth? It is facts, as we have talked about it. It is knowledge of things as they are, as they were, and as they are to be. And verse 25 is very interesting when you think about stories that get into our minds. And whatsoever is more or less than this, than knowledge of things as they were, as they are, and as they are to come. Whatsoever is more or less than this is the spirit of that wicked one who was a liar from the beginning. It's talking about Satan telling you stories that interpret the truth in a way that turns it into a lie. And, and something that doesn't serve us. Right. And so what, what choice do we have? Is Satan just getting into our brains and telling us lies and we can't tell the difference? Well, the section goes on later. All truth. Remember, we are spirits of truth. Verse 30. All truth is independent in that sphere in which God has placed it to act for itself as all intelligence also. Otherwise, there is no existence. So inherently, spirits of truth have agency. Otherwise, they wouldn't even exist. And then verse 31, behold, here is the agency of man, and here is the condemnation of man, because that which was from the beginning is plainly manifest unto them, and they receive not the light. And every man whose spirit receiveth not the light is under condemnation. Our belief, friends, in this model 
is that we are going to teach you to choose elevating thoughts that bring light, happiness, joy. Why? Father Lehi said, men are that they might have joy. Joseph Smith said, happiness is the object and design of our existence. But it doesn't happen automatically. We live in a fallen world. We have brains that are millions of years old that are created for survival more than for happiness. And so they worry us all the time. But we can teach you to be intentional about your thoughts and create greater happiness than you may have ever dreamed you could have. Rising above the natural man and Satan's influence in our minds requires us to do this work. Right. And, you know, when you were discussing those beautiful scriptures that tie in so well to this model and this work, it, it just dawned on me that I think the reason why I believe that we have answers inside of us and that we have intuition and instincts and we have the spirit is so that we can remember the truth of who we are. We came here with the ability to do that and then life gets in the way and the parasite works on our brains and then we have to unwind and remember. Our great example was Jesus. And in John 11, there's a fascinating story, and you're probably familiar with it, so I'll just summarize very briefly. But Jesus hears that Lazarus has died, and people are saying, if you hadn't waited so long to come, maybe he'd still be living. And Jesus said, he's, he's not dead, but he's sleeping, and He's sleeping so that the glory of God can basically be made manifest through him. Jesus is choosing an elevating thought in that moment, right? And so he tells his disciples, well, plainly Lazarus is dead. So, so what, what is he talking about? I mean, why one minute, no, he's not really dead. He's sleeping. The next minute, plainly Lazarus is dead. And then he goes Which to the- Which they would consider a fact. Right. And he goes to the family again and to Lazarus's family and, and, and says, uh, you know, once again, he, he, I'm here so that the glory of God can be made manifest. And again, uh, Mary repeats the, the phrase, something like, if, if you had come sooner, Lazarus, my brother, would not have died. So she'd made a choice. It was too late. She'd made right. a judgment about that, and which it, was understandable. Right. It says Jesus wept, and the people around said, oh, how he loved him. Well, why would Jesus weep if he knows he's about to heal this man? I, I can tell you two things that come to mind for me, and those are, number one, Jesus was probably served in that moment, as were the other people who were looking to him for comfort, to weep with them, to grieve with them, even just for a moment. And it was an emotional moment, and Jesus chose to embrace that emotion, not with judgments uh, about it. Just, it seemed that he had compassion for their loss. Right, with the raw authenticity of what they had been through, of what Lazarus had been through. And then, of course, 
he commands Lazarus to, to come out of the tomb after four days dead and buried. And Lazarus does, and Jesus reiterates that this is for the glory of God. Again, he's choosing, uplifting thoughts that are filled with light. And I think that's a real example in how we can choose the emotions that we have by choosing the thoughts that we have and how we understand any situation that we're in. Uh, And it may be that even things that are hard for us to pass through, like, I mean, I look back now at my divorce and the wonderful marriage I have with Kathy and the love that we share. And I think, you know, my divorce was the hardest thing I've ever done. It really was. It was the most painful, the most depleting thing I've ever done. But it opened the way for the greatest blessing and greatest miracle in my life. And I want to help give hope to the hopeless among you that that can be true for you. So let's work on your thoughts. Apply this model for yourself. And if if you know you're a little stuck and need a little help, don't don't be bashful. Shoot us a, an email. Um, you can email us at loveinlateryears at gmail.com and we will give you a free consult if you're interested in our coaching program and would like a little bit of help with this process. Yeah. And we're excited to help you. This is like, like we've said, this is a passion project for us and and we know this works. Uh, We've seen it in our own lives. We've tried it out. So yeah, it's awesome. It's really, it's really life changing, transformational. Yes. So Remember, friends, any time is the right time for more love in your life. Thank you for listening to Love in Later Years. Subscribe to LilyPod to get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, share with those you love. For more information about our organization and services, visit loveinlateryears.com.